0: a little uh, deceiving Uh, that air is still pretty cold and uh, so you stand inside look out and you go what a pretty day and uh, then you walk out and you go whoops uh, you know that that air is still a little cool so we're glad that you've chosen to come out to be here and be a part of the service today I hope you have your Bibles with you and if you do turn with me to the book of Hebrews New Testament book of Hebrews chapter 1 and be looking in chapter 1 today I'll be looking at a message entitled Jesus, God's Last Word. Jesus, God's Last Word. The Bible is God's Word. Millions upon millions have had their lives changed by the message of the Bible. You and I have had our lives changed by the message of the Bible. But the interesting thing is, over the course of history, There have been many who have sought to destroy or discredit or do away with the Bible. There have been serious attempts to do so, all of which have failed. Um, One of the most notable ones, uh, Diocletian, who was a Roman emperor and who was an unbeliever, set out to destroy the Bible... And everyone who believed or had a Bible. And so he set out to destroy that. in the process of that, thousands and thousands of Christians died a cruel and horrible death. Simply because they believed the Bible. The interesting thing is, after several years of seeking to destroy the Bible and all believers... He felt that he had accomplished that task, and he built a a monument, a, a statue, if you would, indicating thus that he had destroyed the Bible. The interesting thing about that is the very next emperor, who followed him after his death, became a Christian and sought to distribute the word and share the word with as many people as possible in the Roman Empire. So he says, oh, we've destroyed the Bible. The Bible's gone. Here's a monument that says so. Not very many years later, he was gone. Death had taken him. And the new emperor established the Bible and Christianity and the word of the people in Rome. Voltaire, who was a very um, uh, vulgar and uh, unbelieving man, tried to destroy the Bible. He boldly predicted in his life, in written word, that within a hundred years, the Bible would be gone and forgotten. Now, here's the interesting thing about Voltaire and his claim, and, uh, and his bold statement about the word, is that after he was gone, within a hundred years, the very printing press that he used to print that bold statement, and other things that he had written to distribute, was being used to, you guessed it, print Bibles. And, not only that, the home that he lived in was filled with Bibles by the Geneva Bible Society who were storing them there to distribute to people so that more people would have the Bible. Over and over and over again, people have sought to destroy and to do away with God's Word. And yet, the Bible has survived Multitudes of attacks over the course of history, but not by cause of some magical or mystical power, but has survived, but rather because of the resurrection power who stands behind it. John chapter one. Listen to this. We'll get to Hebrews in just a moment, but listen to what this says. In the beginning was the word and the word was with God and the word was God. He was in the beginning with God, and all things came into being through Him, and apart from Him, nothing came into being that has come into being. The Word is God. And Christ was the Word. In the beginning was the Word, and the Word was with God. And and the Word was God. And the Word became flesh and dwelt among us. And so we see this transition, the resurrection power of Jesus Christ is the power that has allowed the Bible to survive all of the attacks over the course of history. And it is still viable today for you and I. Now, let's be sure that we understand the impact and the importance of that to our lives. Hebrews chapter 1, beginning in the verse 1. God, after He spoke long ago to the fathers and the prophets, and in many portions and in many ways. Let's stop there for a moment and listen to what the author is saying. God, after He spoke long ago to the fathers, in the prophets, in many portions, in many ways. God has spoken to man. And he has spoken to man through the course of history. And this passage says to the fathers in the prophets, so through the prophets, in many portions and in many ways. There have been many different avenues of communication, but the Father has spoken to man. He says, in these last days, verse 2, has spoken to us in his Son. Whom He appointed heir of all things. And through whom also He made the world. Okay? Let's stop right there for just a moment. Interesting transition. He says throughout the course of history. God has spoken to man. To the fathers. In the prophets. In many portions. And in many ways. Many different avenues of communicating His message to man. But... He says, in these last days, He has spoken to us in His Son. Jesus is God's last word. Jesus is God's last message to man. For you and I to hear, for you and I to receive, for you and I to understand. And so there are three things that I want us to learn from this passage today. The first one is God's last word in communication. Ever since the Garden of Eden, God has sought to communicate to man. The message He wanted to communicate to us is a message of life and love, forgiveness, eternity. He wants to have a relationship with us. And ever since the Garden of Eden, He has sought to have that communication. The Bible is not only a record of God's communication, but it is itself a part of God's communication. Not just a record of it, it is His communication to us. The Old Testament prophets, let's think about that for a moment. He says that He in the fathers, uh, to the fathers, in the prophets, in many portions, in many ways. So the prophets were like this. This is the best, best description I can give you today. So the prophets received... Pieces to the message, kind of like receiving pieces to a puzzle. And every one of them received a, a different piece, a different message, that ultimately would make a whole picture and a whole message. But they were trying to put that together to make it complete. Have you ever tried to put together a puzzle and, and there'd be pieces that are missing? It's horrible, isn't it? You know, you get this piece and you think, oh, that... Oh, wait a minute, that doesn't know. And you can't quite figure it all out because there's something missing. There's something that hasn't quite completed the picture. Well, the prophets were receiving the message of the Word of God and they were delivering the portions that they received. They were accurate. They were true. All of those things. There just was something missing to bring the whole picture together and make it complete. And you guessed it. That something was Jesus Christ, the Son of God. He spoke to the fathers in the prophets in many portions, in many ways. So many portions, different pieces, different servings that they received. In many different ways, they received it. Remember, on, on occasion, they received it in, in many different ways. But, but so they had the pieces. It just didn't all fit together until Jesus Christ came And He was that missing piece that brought everything together and completed the picture. And so God has sought to communicate to us from from the the Garden of Eden onward. And He's given portions and He's given pieces in many different ways and so forth through the prophets. But now He comes and He says, I have the complete message. I have the, the complete picture. It is completed in Jesus Christ come to the world as God in the flesh. It is His Final communication. In these last days, He has spoken to us through His Son. And He has brought together the whole picture. He has completed the picture for us to see. God communicates to us in many different ways, all of which are made possible through the coming of Jesus Christ. He communicates to us through His Word, He communicates to us through nature. He communicates us through our conscience. He communicates to us through prayer. all of these are avenues of communication that were all made possible and brought clear for us to understand through the coming of Jesus Christ. And so Jesus is God's last word. It is His final attempt at communication for you and I to understand the life that He offers, the gift that He gives, the salvation that He offers... And the hope that it brings for eternity in the kingdom of heaven. And so we need to understand the importance of God's word. The power of God's word. The impact of God's word. And that it is His desire to communicate to us. Second truth is this. God's last word in salvation we read that in verses 2 and 3 go back and look at that again with me and uh, and let's continue in this communication of salvation in these last days have spoken to us in, in in us in his son whom he appointed heir of all things through whom also he made the world we read that in John 1 remember when we began that he was in the beginning and all things that have been made have been made through him that's who we're talking about Jesus Christ and all things here, again, it confirms that, that whom He made the world. Now then, listen to verse 3. And He is the radiance of His glory and the exact representation of His nature and upholds all things by the word of His power when He had uh, had made purification of sins and sat down at the right hand of the Majesty on high. You hear what He said? When He had made purification of sins. When Jesus Christ's coming brings to us salvation. And, and we've talked about that over the last several weeks with Jesus' birth. And it said, you know, you shall call Him Jesus for He shall take away the sins of His people. Jesus coming to, for the purification of sins. It is His pure and holy life. That he lived on this earth. And notice the terms that it used. He is his radiance glory. He is his exact representation. Jesus is God in the flesh. And he came to earth in order to live a pure and whole and sinless life. And in relationship to that, then to die as a sacrifice for the sins of mankind for all time. And then to be resurrected on the third day, power over sin and the grave and Satan and the sin to the right hand of the Father. And notice what he said. Sit down at the right hand of the majesty on high. And so God wants desires for his word to communicate to us salvation. Acts chapter 4 verse 12. Listen to what it says. And there is salvation in no one else. There is salvation. Do you understand that? There is no one else. In which one can be saved in this world. There never has been and there never will be. There is only salvation in one. And that was the coming of Jesus Christ. And there is salvation in no one else. For there is no other name under heaven that has been given among men by which we must be saved. Salvation is God's word that came through Jesus Christ that we could be redeemed that we could be purchased, that we could be bought back by the blood of Christ, that our sins could be forgiven, that He made purification for sins. That's what He's talking about as He communicated through us, through, to us through His Son. He said, I want to communicate to you a message of life, a message of love, a message of eternity and forgiveness for your sins. And He said, so how do I do that? I do it through my Son. I send my son to live a pure and sinless life to die on a cross for your sins, for my sins, to be buried in the tomb, resurrected on the third day, sent to the right hand of the Father. And he said, now there is no other way for you to be saved except through Jesus Christ. Listen, people, you hear people say things like, well, I tell you what, you believe what you want to believe, I believe what I want to believe and we'll be all right. Your people say, well, I know there's more than one way to heaven and you believe in your path and I'll believe in my path and we'll be all right. Nothing could be further from the truth. It is a lie. It smells of smoke and it comes directly from the pit of hell. Because God's Word says there is only one name by which we must be saved. And that is the name of Jesus Christ. And so He communicates His salvation. It has been communicated to us through His Son. And the sending of His Son into this world to pay the price for our sins. So that we might be saved. That is the truth of God's Word. And that is what He has communicated and spoken to us through His Son. Salvation. Third and final thing is this. God's last Word in exaltation. Notice what He said there in verse 3. That He has sat down at the right hand of the Majesty on high. That He is... What did He call Him? He is the exact... Representation. Are those not some beautiful words? Read them again. He is the radiance of His glory. You know what that means? The radiance of His glory. It means it is a a shining, a glowing, a a, a radiance of His glory. It's of God's glory. We saw that in Jesus' life only one time that we're aware of recorded in Scripture, and that's on the Mount of Transfiguration. But it was a radiance, it was a shining, it was a glowing of the glory of the Father. And He is the radiance, it says in this passage, for us to understand what it means for His exaltation to be exalted above all others. For it is His radiance of His glory and the exact representation of His nature. And He upholds all things by the word of His power. When he had made purification for sin, he sat down at the right hand of the majesty on high, having become, listen to this, his exaltation, having become as much better than the angels as he has inherited a more excellent name than they. His exaltation. He is exalted above all others. And that's the Word of God. That's the message of God that He brings to us. He communicates His salvation through His earthly, fleshly body. And they, these are all spiritual. They're not physical. They're not fleshly for you and I. He's exalted in coming to God as the Father. Listen to First Thessalonians chapter 4, beginning of verse 15. This is a powerful passage of Scripture. For this we say to you, By the word of the Lord. Here we are, the word again. He's communicating to us by the word of the Lord. That we who are alive and remain until the coming of the Lord will not precede those who have fallen asleep. So he's talking about at the end of time. We will not go before those who have fallen asleep. For the Lord Himself. Listen to this. This is so powerful. The Lord Himself will descend from heaven with a shout. And with the voice of the archangel and the trumpet of God and the dead in Christ will rise first. Talk about exaltation. Talk about celebration. Talk about the crescendo of His word and message of life and forgiveness and hope of eternity in the kingdom of God. And He says, the Lord Himself. He will descend from heaven. He's coming back. And with a shout, and with the voice of an archangel, and with the trumpet of God, and the dead in Christ will rise first. Then we who are alive and remain will be called up together with them in the clouds to meet the Lord in the air. And so we shall always be with the Lord. Therefore, comfort one another with these words. He's talking about the exaltation. He's talking about, remember what he said, he is the radiance of his glory. He's talking about Jesus. He is the exact representation of His nature. When we see Jesus and the life of Jesus, it is the life of God. And God is coming again in exaltation with the shout and the voice of the archangel and the trumpet of God. And everybody's going to know. Everybody's going to hear and understand exactly who He is in His final exaltation. Philippians chapter 2 and verse 9 says this, For this reason also God highly exalted Him. This exaltation, final exaltation. And bestowed on Him a name which is above every name, so that the name of Jesus every knee shall bow of those who are in heaven and on earth and under the earth. And every tongue will confess that Jesus Christ is Lord to the glory, exaltation and glory, to the glory of God the Father. He will exalt Him. He has, in His Word, exalted Him. And He has placed Him above all others. And at His return, with that shout and with that trumpet and everyone's attention, He says, then guess what's going to happen? Every knee will bow. Every knee. He didn't leave anybody out. Those in heaven, those on earth, and those under the earth. Every knee will bow and confess that Jesus Christ is the Lord to the glory of the Heavenly Father. What a beautiful message for us to understand the power of God's Word. The message of God's Word. What He has communicated to you and I through His Son, Christ Jesus. For us to understand what that means to us. And how it has changed and impacted our life because He has chosen to speak to us through His Son and our Savior, Jesus Christ. Now, here's the real question. Are we willing to listen to Him? He is trying to communicate to us an incredible message of unbelievable proportion and importance. Are we ready to listen to Him? As we enter into this new year, are we ready to listen to the message of our Lord? Are we ready to listen to the message of His Word? Are we prepared to stand firmly on the truth of Scripture? Not swayed by the world, not impacted or influenced by those around us, but standing firmly on the truth of God's Word. Believing in our hearts that it is true, It is His communication to us, and He has called us to live by it. I believe the Word has been under attack for a long time. I believe the world has been trying to change the message of God's Word for a long time. And I've seen in the last 10 to 15 years more inroads of accomplishing that than the whole rest of my lifetime. Not that it wasn't always there, but it seems that it has become stronger and stronger of people discrediting the truth of God's Word. Look around at the things that we are encountering today when, when our, our government and our states are legalizing same-sex marriage, when we are aborting unborn children at record numbers. And the list goes on and on and on. They are attacking the truth of God's Word. And with every victory, they become bolder and bolder and more bold. I believe the day's coming and not too far away that they're like our brethren of the past are going to seek to destroy God's Word, cast it and its people aside. They're no longer relevant. No longer useful. The question is this. When that day comes, are we prepared to stand on the truth of God's Word, even if it means as it has in the past, our life, our livelihood, our very existence? To stand on the truth of God's Word and say, I don't care what you say. I don't care how you attack. I believe God's Word is God's Word and it is true. And it has always been true, and it will always be true. Listen, there's no question. There's no doubt in my mind as I look over history. God's Word's going to survive. (laughs) It's going to survive. There's nothing that they can do that will ever destroy it the way they want to destroy it. The question is, where are we going to stand? The question is, where are we going to come down? Which side of the issue are we going to come down on when that day comes? If it comes in our our lifetime, if that, that day comes... Are we prepared to understand that Jesus is God's last word to mankind? His last communication to us. A message of life, of love, of eternity in the kingdom of heaven. Are we prepared to stand on the truth? That's God's message to us in His word today. And we must prepare our hearts and our minds and our lives to stand on and for the truth.